The Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble is celebrating its 45th season and 45 years of telling stories of all kinds and in so many ways. Scanning the offerings from season one on gives us a good feel for the range and depth of their productions. Among the playwrights, Chekhov, Shaw, Shakespeare, Athel Fugard, Sarah Rule, and a number of pieces created by members of the ensemble itself. A recurring offering over the decades is A Christmas Carol, the story by Charles Dickens, mostly adapted by company members, finding new and inspired ways to tell that story. And that's the key to the show that's currently running at the Alvina Krauss Theater. It, too, is an adaptation, a play with many layers, including a storyline involving company members preparing a production of that perennial favorite, A Christmas Carol. But this is a play within a play, asking many questions about the art and craft of theater, and even more broadly, about life itself. We'll soon learn that David Miller, associate professor of theater and dance at Bloomsburg University, is a storyteller himself. He is a professional playwright director, actor, and educator, and he's intrigued by the ways our stories have been told and whose stories we're telling. Also, what is at stake for all of us in what we discover? Miller decided that he could take us on that journey by turning to the Italian playwright Luigi Pirandello and the work he's best known for, Six Characters in Search of an Author. Pirandello inverts, subverts, explores, toys with so many of the standard devices and expectations of traditional theatrical productions in order to overcome his frustrations with the medium, to help him communicate and explore something of the world he found himself in. He wrote six characters in 1921. And to ask, what about this storytelling we humans do? The Bloomsburg Theatre Ensemble and Bloomsburg University Players present the world premiere of Six Characters in Search of an Author, adapted and directed by David Miller. This fresh adaptation will run at BTE's Alvina Krauss Theatre until March 12th. We had a chance to speak by phone with David Miller about the production and his interest in projects like this one. It's actually really front and center in the work that I do. I actually ran a theater company in Brooklyn that was all about new play creation. I've created a project here on campus called Plays in Bloom, a new play development program where we teach courses in new play development, and every year we have a guest professional playwright come in to work in a week-long residency with our students on a brand-new full-length play. We did that for the first time last year. Also, in my extended professional life, I'm on the board of Seven Devils New Play Foundry, which is an organization that's been developing new plays for the last 20 years. So it's really front and center in, in my work. I love developing new pieces from scratch or adaptations or revisiting recent works, things like that. A lot of new play development. And so you'll be working with the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble, bringing your players together. How do you describe what you've done with the work that already exists, the Pirandello play? Well, we started with really the premise, the essential premise of the play, 
which is a company is in rehearsal, interrupted by six characters who are in search of an author or in search of a playwright. They've been thought up by a playwright, but never put down in the play. So they can't live on eternally, as they talk about wanting to do, because they know, certainly the father character knows that Hamlet, for example, lives on, even when those of us who are simply just people will not. And he really wants that to go on. Both the father and the stepdaughter really want their stories to be told. So we started with that premise and then took the idea that, okay, so we're going to do a co-production. This would be a great play because it investigates theater and how theater's made and what our role is in storytelling within theater. So we took that basic idea And then as the person who then adapted the play, I scrapped the entire beginning and built a new company based on the actual actors who are playing those roles. They are certainly not, they're they're not playing themselves. They're definitely playing uh, a version of themselves. And I did lift some things that I know about each of those people, the professionals from BTE and the students from Bloomsburg University in our theater program here and kind of incorporated some of their qualities, but also created these archetypes, the veteran actor, the fiery actor, the conservative actor, those kinds of types, and built this brand new company. And instead of, in the original, they're rehearsing a Pirandello play in that wonderful metatheatrical way. The company here is actually rehearsing uh, a new adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which has been, of course, a long tradition at Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble, and our students have been regularly involved or alums have been involved in that. So that was the first place to start, is to strip away that company that Luigi Pirandello had written 100 years ago and create one that's very much here and now this combined company. And how much input did your actors have? Did they actively participate with you in the creation of the adaptation? Definitely, insofar as they were involved, for example, in a reading early on. We did a reading of a translation of the original play and really talked about the world of that play and responded to it. And some of those responses to that original play are some of the things the company members are actually saying or articulating in the play. And the other really significant part of the process was the entire first week of our rehearsal process was trying to wear both hats of being the director and also being the playwright in the room who had adapted it and really listened and responded to the observations the actors were making, whether it was the way that they said something or it didn't quite fit in their mouth or they would say something during that rehearsal process when I said, oh, maybe that's actually what the character says there instead of the thing that they're saying right now. So they were um, incredibly influential and participatory in that collaborative process of developing the new play. And at the end of the first week of rehearsals, I brought in uh, a slew of revisions, sometimes whole page replacements, sometimes little things here or there or a line change or something cut. Uh, They were definitely instrumental in those changes. And don't we know that Pirandello did his own revisions? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Revision is such an interesting part of any process. And and it's really interesting that, of course, one of the questions that we often ask is, when is when is a play done? And <laughs> it's hard to answer that. And certainly I know that even in recent years, uh, Tony Kushner, you know, 25 years after Angels in America was first written, was revising it to go into a new production. And I think that's pretty irresistible 
for us as theater artists in particular to keep going back to revisit the work, and especially for the time and place in which you are presenting and exploring it. Now, storytelling is essential in many ways to the play that Pirandello created. These people, these characters, wanted their stories told, right? And they were disagreeing about it, as I understand. What remains ever present in the concept of telling stories, personal stories or narratives that 100 years ago interested Pirandello and those of you writing today? Are there differences, or is the storytelling concept fundamentally the same? Yeah, that's a good question, certainly one we explored also in rehearsal. So I think one of the differences, one of the similarities, I think Pirandello was certainly interested in how, how do we tell stories on stage, but I think a lot of the argument between characters and company was about the style with which you play things, for example, Right? How can you be me if I'm me? And the character's arguing, I want to act this out, and you just watch. And there is a little bit of that left over from Pirandello, certainly. But the most significant change, I think, in our adaptation was asking more about the question of whose stories are we telling and why, and how are we telling those particular stories. So, for example, in the original... The father was very much aligned with the male director, and they ran the show. They really ran away with telling the story of the father. And in this this adaptation, we're really exploring, okay, so the father and the stepdaughter both want their story told. They're both appealing to a female director, which changes the world of the play, and to a company who's living in 2023 who have different sensitivities to whose stories we're telling and how and why. And then the other question, another layer to that is then who should be telling those stories? Are we allowed to take on the story of the stepdaughter? If it's so personal to her, are we allowed to tell that story? And then how should we tell that story in a way that the audience can really listen and take it in? because not all stories maybe are right for the stage if the audience, if they're too overwhelming for the audience in the way that they're told, they don't actually hear the story itself. So all these different questions and layers that are very much from our 2023 sensibility. And when you just talked about who can tell the stepdaughter's story, does that have to do with the concept we hear about appropriation? Definitely, definitely. It is thinking about that. Yeah. What is it that we're we're taking on? Are we allowed to, you know, to tell that story? Would it be appropriate? Should somebody else be telling that story? Should it come from, you know, essentially closer to the origin of that story? And then in a lot of these situations as well, there's there's reflections on those folks who do not want their stories told. And that's another interesting layer in the six characters, some of the characters, the father and stepdaughter, definitely want their individual stories told and told in the way that they know to be true. But the mother is incredibly reluctant to have her story told. The son is very reluctant to have his story told. And the boy and the girl don't even have a voice. They're so overwhelmed by all the circumstances that they cannot speak. And so some of the characters are the outer company, I should say. The company asks even, well, but if we're telling this story, aren't we telling the mother's story? And if she doesn't want her story told, 
then is it appropriate to be telling that story? And what about the notion of the family? What role is that? Because Pirandello had a family, and you continue to have a family involved. What dimension or what does that add? Well, that actually was also one of those things that I really connected to with researching more about his life. There's, there's a remarkable number of incredible similarities between the world of the characters and the world of his personal life, including his relationship with his wife and the relationship with his daughter. And it seemed that maybe some of the storytelling that he was doing was to defend himself, actually, in the telling of the play. And now the family is definitely fraught with difficulties, and I think in a way that really resonates with a a lot of people. The story that the stepdaughter especially wants to tell is that the actions of the father didn't just affect her, but they affected her mother, they affected the two children, and in really negative sometimes tragic ways, and that he shouldn't be let off the hook in the storytelling to focus on, as he wants to focus on, he wants to focus on the great remorse that he has for the things that he did, or maybe the mistakes, the momentary mistakes that he made in his life. And she doesn't want to focus on his remorse, she wants to focus on the actions themselves. And as she says, the dominoes that fell from his actions that led to these tragic consequences for other people in this family. And I think that's definitely the importance of the family is, man, when you have family that close, anything that you do does affect more than just you. And in fact, it's an extended effect, a series of dominoes that fall when we take any action, whether it's positive or negative. I was poking around the Facebook page and saw a photograph of some simple items on a table, and that would be water bottles and so on. And there was a suggestion or a hint in the caption that simple items like that have had or do play a role in the telling of these stories. Most definitely, yeah. We have a series of behind-the-scenes look at different aspects of our theater making, which is especially tied to this play in particular that gives you an insider's look into theater making. So in a couple of the posts, one of them, the props design, where there's a blue envelope on a table that may not look like much, but is incredibly important, and especially when we tell the details of our personal story Sometimes those, those specific physical elements that were in that time and place when we experience something important in our lives are such vital ingredients to the story. And other people might not think they're significant. Well, why would that be important? Well, because I remember that that was there. I remember that that was specifically a blue envelope, and I need that there to be able to have my complete story told. And I think it's really rich on stage, the kind of importance that props and scenery have, and that we endow those things with significance all over the stage, because in our world of the play of Six Characters in Search of an Author, the company is in between productions. And so they have a chance to experiment with a new adaptation of A Christmas Carol, and meanwhile... One of the assistant stage managers is doing some touch-up paint on some scenery and fixing some props just in the wings there. 
and everything's very exposed. You get to look into the wings in a way that maybe you never have before in the Alvina Krauss Theater. If you've been coming, even if you've been coming for years to the theater, I think we've exposed a lot more in there because we want to share the theater making process. So you'll see the sign from Superior Donuts that lists all the drinks and, and donut prices, and you'll see Marley's Door from A Christmas Carol, and you'll see trees from the recent production of Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe that we did past summer. You'll see a lamppost from The Arsonist that we did a few years ago with BU players. All those different things that by themselves maybe don't have a significance to the naked eye, but once they're really ingredients in a story... They're incredibly important. This must be a fascinating experience for all the actors, the seasoned BTE founding members and your players from the university. What kinds of things are they saying about the experience? Yeah, it really is. And, and, and I love that you are seeing that from all, all angles as well, because it really is such a wonderful learning experience for students to be in a room with professionals, working on stage with them in direct collaboration. I think one of the magical things for them is that they feel a sense of positive nurturing in the room, that they feel very much included. They feel very much collegial with the professionals and the professionals in, in turn also talk about what a, what a lovely sense of energy and enthusiasm that comes from the students and how the students are really stepping up and playing these uh, incredibly rich, challenging roles and are literally toe-to-toe with their fellow actors creating this really rich world. And I think it's a testament to both the professionals and the the students. I I think if if you zoom out in watching the play, there's a lot of moments where I think you'll forget who's who. Uh, You won't be conscious of those are students, those are the resident acting company members, because ultimately they're really working as a rich ensemble in this company, and it's very natural for them to be working together. So it's it's a real gift to be able to do that. I would hope this adaptation that you've done would have an afterlife because it sounds like the opportunity that actors everywhere might have in producing this piece would be a really important self-reflective opportunity to examine their art, their craft. Yeah, I I agree. It is interesting, actually. I've been thinking about that even today, about uh, oftentimes the process of writing uh, a new play or a new adaptation is with the idea that maybe it's going to have an extended life, that it could move on to other theater companies. And with this one, uh, it really could. It really could, uh, if if taking up the mantle to then adapt it for whatever that theater company is, which I think would be exciting. And I, I hope that does, that does happen, just as I, I was really inspired, actually, by an adaptation, not just the adaptation, but even the forward to the adaptation that Robert Brewstein did for ART in Boston and talking about his approach and really anchoring it in who that company really is. And so that was so inspiring to me. And I think that because the play is such, I think I said before, that an investigation of theater making, then why not take the opportunity to really embrace, well, who are we as theater artists? And not just generally, but specifically, who are we as Bloomsburg University players, as Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble, theater makers, 
and us combined. How do we think about theater when we enter into conversation together? So, yes, I hope people hear that call and and want to pick up the mantle and create their adaptation as well. Do you think maybe this might have been, this adaptation might have been a little bit different if we hadn't all been through COVID? Is there something that you experienced and came to understand about theater making when we were all locked down and we couldn't make theater perhaps like we always do? For sure. It's definitely affecting us all the time. And I think the events of the last few years, theater has really reflected on itself a lot. We reflected a lot as an industry on even things like the the limits to our work days. We used to regularly do what's called 10 out of 12s, 10 hours in a 12-hour day during technical processes. And um, one of the reflections was, you know what, that's really not necessary and it's pretty unhealthy. <laughs> and some of the storytelling as well. A lot of theater companies were very limited in their scope of storytelling, returning to the same old stories in the same old way and casting the same faces on those stages. And over the last few years, we've really, again, as an industry, become more sensitive and more than more sensitive, proactive about advocating for those stories that had previously been left behind or swept aside. So I think our very investigation into what are the stories we tell and who tells them and how do we tell them is very much an influence of these past few years. And it does seem that this pandemic forced us into a a reflective time where we had to be more active in our choice making. If you'd like to tell us where and when, you're welcome to do that. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, we run through Sunday, March 12th. Information is at bte.org, information and tickets, bte.org. On that website is also some information uh, about the mature content that's in the play, and that's an important thing to reflect on as well for audience members who might have elements in the play that might be overwhelming for them to be able to be aware of those before they attend. David Miller, Associate Professor of Theater and Dance at Bloomsburg University, playwright, director, actor, educator, speaking with us about his adaptation of Luigi Pirandello's Six Characters in Search of an Author. That adaptation will be presented by the Bloomsburg Theater Ensemble and Bloomsburg University Players. It's the world premiere, and David Miller directs The adaptation will run at Bloomsburg Theatre Ensemble's Elvina Krauss Theatre, 226 Center Street in Bloomsburg, until March 12th. And if you need more information, bte.org, bte.org. The shows are Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at 7.30, and Sunday matinees at 3 o'clock. And for more information, again, bte.org or the box office, area code 570-784-8181. And as it happens, the performances this evening and tomorrow evening are Pay What You Decide performances. So you reserve your seat for free and choose your own price after the show. bte.org, bte.org. It's the world premiere of six characters in search of an author 
adapted and directed by David Miller of Bloomsburg University, and it is a co-production of the Bloomsburg Theatre Ensemble and Bloomsburg University Players. And it will run now until March 12th. Again, for more information, bte.org. And as David Miller reminded us, the show contains some mature content, and that's something you will need to take into account, and you can read all about that on the website, bte.org. <laughs>